Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. We are now in our God is Able Sermon Series. In this life, it is so easy for us to settle for the ordinary. We wake up and typically have the same routine every single day. Yet our God created us to live an extraordinary life. There is no one in the world exactly like you, and God wants you to reach your full potential. This involves us growing deeper and deeper into Christ while following Him every day. His plans for us are immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. So let's trust Jesus and live out our extraordinary lives. Let's listen in. Uh, well, good morning, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so good to be together today. So welcome everybody here at our Franklin campus. Welcome to our online campus. So glad you're joining in from wherever you're joining in from that we can worship our God together. And welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called God is Able. And I love this, right? We're at the beginning of a new school year, the beginning of a new ministry year, right? The beginning for us as a church. We celebrated 20 years. Now we're on to the next 20 years. We're talking about this, that our God is able. Whatever struggles we face, whatever worries we have, whatever doubts about the future or, you know, insecurities that we bring in, God is able. And He's able to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. And so we've been walking through these two verses in the Bible. Found Ephesians chapter 3, and there are theme verses here at Rolling Hills. And, and we're challenging everybody to memorize these verses, okay? To memorize these in the middle of this series. So I'm going to put them up on the screen, and I'd love for us to say them aloud together. Uh, there we are. All right, you ready? Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Man, we can memorize that. But what incredible truth that is for all of us. And so we said the very first week in this series, start with God. Right now to him. Now to him that God is sovereign over all. He's sovereign over the universe. He's sovereign over our lives. And he is God and we're not. So let's just start with God. Let's put him first in our lives or in our school year, in our workplace, in our ministry year, that we are gonna start with him. And then second, we said, now to him who is able, that we all came in today fighting a battle. We all came in with a, a worry or fear or something in our hearts and our lives. And sometimes we can just go under our own power and try to fix it. But we said, no, God is able. What if I bring it all to God? What if I trust him? What if I learn to live that kind of life? And the last week we talked about this. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. That our dreams for our life are so small compared to God's dreams for us. That our plans pale in comparison to what God has for us. Last week we saw Jesus turn water into wine. And not just a little wine. I'm mean, talking 180 gallons of wine. I mean, that's, that's our God. That's how big he is. And today we're looking at this part. According to his power that is at work within us. His power at work within us. Now, this is the game changer for the Christian life, okay? We begin to learn to live with His power in us, and that's what we're going to see today. So, if you've got a Bible with you today, invite you up with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. You can grab one. If you're online, hey, you can go there to the Church Center app. In the Rolling Hills part, we've got the scripture for you right there. Love for you to unpack it with us today. So Acts, New Testament, right? You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books. The Gospels, I'll talk about Jesus' 
teaching ministry, his healing ministry, you know, the Son of God coming to earth. And then you see his death, his burial, his resurrection. And so that ends the Gospels. And then you start the book of Acts. And Acts begins in Acts chapter 1. There are 120 believers, okay, men and women, 120. So the early church there, Jesus ascends into heaven. And now they're all gathered together there. They replace Judas. Judas is out of the picture now, right? And they replace Judas as one of the 12 apostles and then leaders of the church. And now we come to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, it says this, when the day of Pentecost came, okay? So Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. And Passover was when Jesus was crucified on the cross for your sins and for my sins and then resurrected. So 50 days later, now there's three major feasts where Jews come from all over the world to go to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. The first Passover, right? And the second is Pentecost. In Pentecost, 50 days later, right? Seven, the holy number, the seventh Shabbat, the day of rest of so seven times seven, 49, then another day, 50. So the 50th day is Pentecost. And Pentecost is when you would come and bring an offering to God. So that was the grain offering that came in and you would take your first fruits, the first 10% would come back to God. So Jerusalem swells to like four or five times its normal size. Whenever there's a feast or a festival, people come from all over. And so you're talking two to four million people in Jerusalem at this time. And so here it is, the day of Pentecost came and they were all together in one place. And that's talking about the 120 believers, the disciples, the women who had followed Jesus, they were all together in one place, probably at somebody's house who had a big courtyard attached to their house. They're all gathered there. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So they're having a little church up in there. And all of a sudden this wind comes blowing in, filling the house. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Okay, so they're having worship. They hear this wind and all of a sudden they're looking around seeing like these tongues of fire coming down on each one of them, right? And fire represents the power of God. Go back to the Old Testament, Elijah, the prophet of fire, called down fire from heaven. Well, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So the Holy Spirit comes in that moment right there at Pentecost at that worship service. Well, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? I mean, Corinthians, Medes, Eliamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phygra, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Remember in our study this summer, that master class on Romans, and we said there was a church in Rome and Paul had never been there. How did they come to know Christ? Right here, there it is. Christians and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? So the Holy Spirit comes. They're able to speak in these other languages. They're able to go out and share the good news of Christ with these other people. Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. 
right? Some of them thinking like uh, they're a little tipsy, right? That's what's happening here. They had that leftover wine that Jesus gave from water to wine. Well, look at this. Then Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. <laughs> all right. So here, let me just kind of set the stage for you. There, all this is happening around there. And Peter stands up and we know exactly where Peter was. He was on the southern steps as they entered into the temple. So people would come there. They would worship. You would go, you would sing songs of ascent, right? From wherever you were coming from, a pilgrim to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. And so they're singing these songs of ascent. There were mikvah pools at the bottom of the stairs leading in to the temple so that people would have a ritual you know, purification bath before you would go and worship. And so Peter stands on the southern steps in the temple. You can go there today. And so we do a biblical study tour to Israel. You can see this is the southern steps, the actual steps where people would walk up to go in. There would be gates there to go into the temple. And so Peter and the 11 are standing there. We would have Bible study there. In fact, we're going to go back to Israel in October of 24. If you've never been to the Holy Land, you ought to go. I mean, it's awesome. If you can't go 24, go at some point in your life because it's amazing. But you could go and stand on those steps. So Peter stands up with the 11 and he addresses the crowd. Now think about this. I mean, there are all kinds of people there, thousands of people there. And Peter says, fellow Jews and all of you live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. I mean, come on. You're like, <laughs> nobody's drunk here. Nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So he's going back to the Old Testament. This Old Testament reference in Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even all my servants both men and women. Now that was a big deal, okay? Because back in the Old Testament, even back in this day, it was a very patriarchal society and it was all about the men. But God was always inviting women in the story. God was always calling even men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy, both the men and women, right? There's a call there to prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So God says, one day there's gonna be a judgment and everybody's gonna stand before me the day of the Lord, but everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Now the people who are listening, they. They knew that prophecy in Joel. And he's like, it's being fulfilled right here. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. These people would have been around. I mean, we're only talking 50 days since Passover. These people would have heard about Lazarus being raised from the dead or the blind man being able to see, or, or they might have been there when Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves. He's like, as you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. God sent his son for you. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. He's like, guys, that was you. You were the ones shouting, crucify, crucify, crucify. 
but God. Look at that next verse. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it's impossible for death to keep its hold on him. He's like, that Jesus is alive. You've heard about it. He is alive. David said about him that David was kind of their hero, right? He was the Old Testament king of Israel back in 1000 BC. And he was the one who really took Israel to a place of prominence. But even David, David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. David had enough faith to know the Messiah was going to come. David looked forward. We look back. David looked forward. Look at verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. I don't know if you underline your Bible. Man, that's powerful right there. They were cut to the heart. Maybe you were cut to the heart when you gave your life first to Christ. You knew there was something wrong in you. And and finally you committed your life to Christ. You're like, oh, there was something in my heart. They were cut to the heart. And they said, Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? We know we were wrong. We know we've messed up. We know we've sinned. We know we've fallen short. What shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So he says, repent and be baptized, right? Baptism follows your repentance. When you repent, then you're baptized. You know, some people say, well, I was baptized as an infant. And I'm always like, that's great. That, that's wonderful, right? Now, if you think about it, that was your parents' decision. You know, you weren't three months old going, I want to be baptized. You know, it's like, hey, you didn't do that, right? You know, that was your parents who said, hey, we're going to baptize our child and Thank God for your godly parents who did that. We call it family dedication. And we have children dedicated. It's amazing. And if you've had a baby recently, man, sign up for the dedication service. I love it. It's powerful. Jesus was dedicated, right? So, I mean, it's special. But baptism follows repentance, right? Repent means you're going one way. You turn back to God and you're baptized, that outward symbol of what God's done in your heart. And it says, in the name of Jesus Christ, When you were baptized back then, you were baptized in the name of somebody. So you were a follower of a rabbi or a teacher, baptized in the name of John, you're following John. But he's saying, no, you're baptized in the name of Jesus. (laughs) You're a follower of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And then look at this. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What do you receive? The gift. I love that. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in installment plans, right? It's not like you learn more and then you get the Holy Spirit later on or later on, you know, you you get to be wise enough or mature enough and then you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. No, it's like when you accept Christ, God gives you the gift. God places his Holy Spirit in you. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Like, like, don't go along with the way of the world. Follow God, trust him. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wow, okay, that's a pretty awesome day. Pentecost, right there. What changed? The coming of the Holy Spirit. And then you watch this, right? There were 120 believers in Acts 
two. Now there's 3,120. Then it goes to 5,000, 20,000. If you keep reading through the book of Acts and the generations come to us. This has been God's plan, God's purpose in sending his son and calling us to follow him and calling us to live in his power. All right, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. I'd love for you to to get this today. It's so powerful for all of us. If you're online, you wanna pull out that church center app, we've got a place to fill in blanks right there for you. But check this out. Look at this. Number one, the Holy Spirit indwells every Christian. If you are a Christ follower, God's Holy Spirit's in you. And maybe you think, well, no, I kind of got left out of that. No, 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 right? You didn't. The Holy Spirit indwells every Christ follower. Look, all of them right here, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. So there were men, there were women, right? There were young, there were old. I mean, there were people who had walked with Jesus for a long time, you know? I mean, like three years, these disciples, then there were people who were brand new. I mean, the Holy Spirit comes right there on all of them. Look, God's presence dwelt in the tabernacle, the temple, Jesus, and now every believer. You know, back in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, and God says, I want to dwell among my people, but I'm a holy God, you're a sinful man, so build this tabernacle, and God told them how to build it, and you can come and worship me there, right? And so people would come to the tabernacle, bring their sacrifices, come and worship God. Well, then when they come to Jerusalem, right? David and Solomon, you know, and the people of God back then, they were like, let's build, right? Right here in the middle of the community, the temple. That's what we just saw. And the temple was massive. I mean, David and and Solomon pouring out all their riches. They're like, man, we want to make this a place where God is glorified. And so they build it. But at the temple, you had still, you had the Holy of Holies. That's where God dwelt. You had the holy place where only the priests could go. Then you had the court of the men, the court of the women, court of the Gentiles a little bit further out, right? Then Jesus comes. And now, right, when you want to be with God, you go find Jesus. And that's why there were crowds all the time around Jesus. Everybody wants to be around Jesus. Well, Jesus ascends into heaven and the gift of the Holy Spirit comes in every believer. Game changer, right? Now he says, you become the hands and feet of Christ. You become the ones who go and pray and love and serve and watch me work through you. That's power. Look, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. That God's spirit is alive in you. So notice this, it's not about your power, but God's power at work within you. Hey, think about this, what changed? I mean, Acts chapter two, I mean, you know, just 50 days earlier, these disciples were scared to death. 50 days earlier when Jesus was being crucified, the disciples scattered, they ran. They were scared like, man, they're gonna come arrest us. We're gonna be crucified. Nobody wants to be crucified. I mean, that's horrific, right? They're long gone. They're scared to death. Peter, I mean, he is scared. He denied Jesus three times. What changed? Still, the Romans are in charge. Crucifixion still happens, right? The Jewish leaders, I mean, there's still all this tension. But what changed? The power of God. The boldness, the courage, the life, the joy, all of that changed right 
there and God began to change the world. Look at that. See, the Spirit is the evidence that you're a Christian. Our circumstances sometimes don't change, right? But our response to those circumstances begins to change. You're going, before I was a Christian, I would freak out in this situation right now. But somehow, I've got peace. Now, I'm not perfect. I'm a work in progress. But, but before, man, if I was under those same circumstances, those same pressures, that same corrupt generation, that same culture, but now there's something different in me. It's the power of God. Before, you know, you'd get in a fight with your spouse or getting something is said and you'd be like, oh, I just want to get angry. And now it's like, whoa, there's something different in me. That's the power of God working in you. Look, the fruit reflects the root, right? And you know it's an apple tree. Why? Because it, it goes down and has roots, but what comes up? Apples. <laughs> there's fruit, right? It's an orange tree. It has the roots, but it's the oranges. That's how you know. That's an orange tree. That's an apple tree, right? That's how people know you're a Christ follower. They start to see the fruit in your life. And the fruit of the Spirit tells us in Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So in your life, are you evidence of Christ is what they see in your life. It's what you project in your life. And you can be rooted in the world. And if you're rooted in the world, man, you're just living for the things of the world and, and all this stuff that's going on in your life and this fear and this worry, this anxiety and all this pressure and you're feeling it and it's just insurmountable, it seems like. But when you start to be rooted in Christ, man, those same pressures and same struggles, but now there's something different happening in me. There's a joy, there's a peace. Yeah, I still struggle sometimes, but there's something different that God's doing in me. Man, Janice's testimony is so powerful. And that's what was happening then. And that's what's happening now. God transforming us. That's the beauty. Look what it says right here, 2 Corinthians. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God. The one who fashioned us for this very purpose is God. God created you for a purpose. God put you at this time in history for a reason. God put you in the family you're in for a purpose and a reason. The one who fashioned you for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And when you and your spirit go, you know what? This is not my home. <laughs> this corrupt generation, this society, that's bright, this is not my home. My home is in heaven. My eternity is secure. And the Holy Spirit is the one who is saying, hey, you are meant for more. You are meant for more. God loves you with an everlasting love. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You are forever His. Live in that truth. That's the power of God at work in you. Look, the Holy Spirit serves an essential role in your life. You know, we talk a lot about God. We talk a lot about Jesus. And sometimes we're kind of like, oh, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, right? The Trinity, three in one. is powerful working in our hearts and our lives. God has raised this Jesus, Peter preached. Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses to it. Like we saw the resurrected Jesus. Exalted in the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Peter's like, it's not us. It's God working through us. That's the power of God. So in this passage, we see four roles of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christ follower. First, counsel, right? The Holy Spirit becomes the guide of your life. 
the guide. You, you begin to have wise counsel. We all need wisdom in our life, don't we? We all have decisions to make. Every day we're making decisions. In fact, our life is a product of the decisions that we make. And we can either make those decisions on our own power or now we have the counsel of the Holy Spirit. You know, you may get a job offer and you go, oh, well, it's more money. And the world would just say, that's the only factor, right? I'm just gonna run after that because it's more money. And then you go, wait a minute, let me pray about this. And so you begin to pray about it and all of a sudden, the Spirit begins to tug at you and go, wait a minute. What does that mean as far as travel? How much am I gonna be away from my family? What does that mean for church? What does that mean for knowing God? What does that mean with the people that are gonna be around me? Am I gonna be in the right environment? And all of a sudden there's this check in your spirit going, wait, I wanna follow the path the Lord has for me and not just run after things that the world would say. You know, you begin to have this counsel. You get in a disagreement with your spouse and you go, wait a minute, here's the way I would respond, but now let me pray about that. You don't have to get on your knees. You just pray in my heart, in my life. You have a struggle with a roommate. You have a struggle with somebody at school. You have a struggle with a classmate. You have a struggle at work. And you just go, God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. That's the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. Counsel. Second thing is this, comfort. Comfort. The Holy Spirit brings comfort into our lives, that God is with us and that God is for us. God is with you. God is for you. I was reading the other day about this pandemic of loneliness that we're seeing right now in our culture and society. And coming out of COVID and now with working remote and every day, people are just feeling more and more disconnected and more lonely. And, and they're like, there's gotta be more to life. And, and the spirit of God is where you are anchored and you have that feeling and that truth that God is with me. No matter what's going on in the world around me, God is with me. God is for me. He won't leave me. He won't forsake me. I'm gonna have that comfort. I mean, these disciples, I mean, they still had that same fear of being arrested, right? But all of a sudden, there was a boldness in their life. All of a sudden, there was a peace in their life that didn't, didn't really make sense, but it, it did because of the Spirit of God. And the same thing is true for us. I begin to live in the Spirit, live in the Spirit. Hey, look at this one. Convict, right? The role of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction. You think about this. It says that they were cut to the heart, <laughs> When Peter preached, they were cut to the heart. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit, right? These people who are far from God all of a sudden begin to realize, I need God. I need the Lord, the conviction. But as a Christ follower, God also convicts us. There's times that you're scrolling through Netflix, right? And you're just going, scrolling, scrolling. And then you look at this movie and you're like, oh, I'll, I'll watch that. And then all of a sudden there's this check in your spirit, like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, that's a hmm, rated R 18 plus or do I need to be watching that? Is that what I want in my mind and in my heart and in my home? And, and you're like, whoa, 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 time out, time out, time out. And that's the Holy Spirit convicting you, right? Because everybody else, the world would say, yeah, watch it. I mean, come on, it's the hot thing, right? It's in the top 10, you know? You're like, you're going, whoa, whoa no, I, I don't need that. There's times you pull out your phone and you go, man, is that the site I should go to? No. That's conviction of the Holy Spirit. Should I have one more? No. I mean, the Holy Spirit convicts us. Why? Because we are being conformed to the image of Christ. Not to the image of the world, right? The world is always pulling at us. But the Holy Spirit is convicting us to look more like Jesus. Maybe in your life, you've always struggled with anger or with rage and just, just comes out of you. 
and you begin to pray, God, convict me in that. God, don't let me respond in that. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. And we need that in our lives desperately because everything else is going to drift us toward this culture and this day. And you're like, no, I'm called to be set apart. God has a purpose for me. And then this one, compel, compel. See, the Holy Spirit compels you to go forward. These 120 believers, they were having a great day at church, right? I mean, also they could have just said, woo, the Spirit is moving, let's just stay in us. Let's just have our little holy huddle right here because it doesn't get any better than this right there. But what God was saying, no, heaven awaits, you're gonna have that one day, but for right now, I need you to go out and talk to these people. I need you to go out and tell, and I'm gonna give you that boldness. I'm gonna give you that courage. In fact, I'm gonna give you the words to say. I'm gonna give you this gift of language right here. See, God compels us sometimes. Maybe you see somebody at work and you just know they're going through a hard time. And you're like, I, I need to go over there and, and just tell them I'm praying for them. And then you start thinking, well, you know what? I, mean, I could lose my job. I mean, what, what could happen? I mean, these guys were putting their lives on the line, right? But what you find is that's just Satan trying to keep you. And you walk over and you say, hey, I don't know what's going on, but I want to pray for you. I just want to encourage you right now. And they just look up at you and say, thank you. And then you watch as God just moves in their heart and their life and you're like, wow, God, I had no clue that you could use me. I mean, Peter was an ordinary fisherman, right? He's standing up there preaching. He hadn't been to seminary, right? He wasn't, didn't know about expository teaching. I mean, he's just like, no, God's moving. I'm gonna be compelled to speak what God's put on my heart in my life. And there's times that God compels you, hey, go on this mission trip. And you're like, man, that's, Go on the mission trip, it's the Amazon. Are you sure? <laughs> you know, like, I've never been on a boat, never been down the Amazon, but God just keeps putting that on your mind and heart and you go and God uses you. God says, hey, lead a community group or hey, join this group or be in this Bible study. God's compelling you for, that's the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. Look at this, the Holy Spirit changes lives. That's what God does in us. We don't stay the same. We aren't in our old nature. We are a new creation in Christ. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I, I just imagine that day. I just imagine okay, what God did. I always thought about this before I went to Israel. It's like, how are 3,000 people baptized? And then when I was standing on those southern steps and you look down and you see all those mikvah pools that they've excavated over the years and you just think that was it. You know, I mean, that was right there. Peter's like, hey, go on down. You know, John's down there, James down there. They'll baptize you right here. <laughs> People being baptized right there on the steps and their lives being changed. They're going back to their families. They're talking about Jesus and what God's doing in their lives. And this ripple effect that just spread throughout Jerusalem, throughout Judea, throughout the world. See, God's spirit, God's spirit is still changing hearts and lives today. God didn't just finish right there. God's like, oh no, I'm not done. Yeah, there's Acts 28, but there's also Acts 29. I'm still working, I'm still moving, I'm still working today. And God's moving all over this world, you guys. God's the only one who could change a heart and a life. God's the only one who is the hope for our world today. God's the only one who is the hope for our country today. God is moving. And for us as Christ followers to join in, to join in. Now you can quench the spirit, right? Tells us that in 1 Thessalonians chapter five. You can say no to God. As God convicts you or God compels you, you can say, no, God, forget it. And God's saying, you know, go apologize to your staff. Go apologize to your spouse. Go apologize to your kids. You're like, no, 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 I can't do that. 
Right? No, 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 no. And you can just start to quench the spirit over time. Or God says, hey, go and pray with your child. Or go say to your roommates, hey, let's pray together. Or go encourage somebody. And you can go, no, no, no. And after a while, your heart gets hard. Don't quench the spirit. When God's prompting you, when God's encouraging you, when God's saying, hey, send that text, send that email. When God's saying, reach out, you do it. And you watch God begin to work. You watch lives begin to be impacted and changed and transformed. You get to be a part of God's story. God wants to use you. So for us to learn to live by the Spirit, to learn to live by the Spirit. And whenever you wake up every day, just go, okay, God, I'm yours today. God, I'm yours today. You created me for this very purpose. So God, what do you want to do through me today? And God, I'm going to pray today. I'm going to walk in you today. God, I'm just going to live in you today. I remember when I was dating Lisa and and I remember praying right by my bed. I could still picture exactly where it was. I was down on my knees by my bed. We had just been dating for a little bit. And I'm like, God, is she the one? And it was so clear. It was like somebody was right there in the room and just said, she's the one. And I'm like, okay, really? Is she the one? And God's like, yes, you know, she's the one. And all I could think about was like, how am I going to get money for a ring? And what does this mean? Where are we going to live? And what, you know, but, and I, this anxiety, and finally I just went, okay. Thank you, God. She's amazing. She's awesome. And praise God, she said yes. And praise God for what he's done in our lives. It's been immeasurably more than we could have ever asked or imagined. And it's only him. Learn to live by the Spirit. God's got plans for you that will blow your mind. But trust him. Follow him. Walk with him. And live in the Spirit. Because this is truth. This is the truth. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. You don't have to live a defeated life. You don't have to be weighed down by this world. You can live victorious because of the goodness and the grace of God that he is with you, he is for you. And live in that truth and live for the glory of God. I don't know where you are today, but I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Maybe today, maybe today is a day of salvation. <laughs> Maybe literally you've just been cut to the heart. <laughs> you just know, man, I've, I need to repent. I've been, I've been living for the world. I've been living for myself. And, and God, today I confess, I need you. Maybe you're like Janet. You're just going down this road and you're at the end of your rope. And today you just go, Jesus, I call out to you. I give you everything. And right here, right now today, I repent. Jesus, forgive my sins. Come into my heart. I'll follow you in baptism. I'll trust you. And watch today as God brings the Holy Spirit as a gift to you. Maybe today you just go, God, I admit, I, I've been quenching the Spirit. God, you've been convicting me about something in my life and maybe it's pornography. <laughs> or maybe it's anger. Or maybe it's just extreme alcohol. God, it's just got a hold on me, Father. And, and I've been trying to beat it myself and I can't. God, I need your power. God, I need your grace. God, today, bring healing into my heart. Bring healing in my life. I'll go to a counselor. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll admit it, but God, I want to change. I want to repent. Maybe today, you just go, God, I need a miracle. A miracle in my marriage, a miracle in my family. God, I need a miracle in the direction of my life. Today, God, bring your Holy Spirit. Change me. Guys, there is power there's power in the name of Jesus. 
There is power in his goodness. There's power in his grace. And for us to live bold lives, to not live in the fear, but to live in the faith that God is with us and God is for us. So Jesus, come meet us right here as your disciples today. Just as you transformed that early church, God, those 120 believers, transform us. Transform us today. And let us live for your name and for your glory. Let us make a difference in our day and our generation. Thank you for your presence and for your love. And we respond to you right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we worship. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family in your life who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you are interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.